Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Welcome to episode 56, and today I'm joined by Rebecca Allen. Rebecca is a career success coach for women looking to step it up in their careers. For the last 13 years, Rebecca has been helping women get promoted, get paid appropriately, and raise their visibility and credibility to get the recognition and jobs they deserve. Our conversation traverses both professional and board careers and how we position ourselves within and for those environments. Whether we're conscious of it or not, people are judging and perceiving us all the time. If we're not intentional about the image we're portraying, we will likely send the wrong messages about ourselves. This conversation with Rebecca delves into and connects intention with behaviors to ensure your personal brand, the stories that you and others tell about you, is sending the messages you want it to and that they support you to achieve your professional and board goals. Let's get into the conversation. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today on the Board Shorts podcast. Oh, thanks, Lisa. I'm really, really glad to be here. As am I. Now, I want to start with something that is a frequent challenge. I want to say for the people I work with and my clients, but I think we all experience this, myself included. And this is trying to really get your finger on and understand what is your unique value proposition? What, how are you positioning yourself to a particular audience. And I'd love to know what process you take your clients through to help them to understand and identify their unique value proposition. It's such a good question and a really meaty one. So I'm really excited because there's lots in there. Um, I mean, essentially how I look at branding is, you know, your brand is essentially a perception. It's not a real tangible entity right like a coca-cola isn't a real entity it's a feeling it's an experience that we all have of that brand and other people i.e marketers and advertisers have told us how we want to perceive that brand and how we want to view that brand so the thing i think is really interesting about branding is it's actually a very purposeful process Mm -hmm. and it can be um, very much within your control so you know i've had clients who come to me and say look I feel invisible. I don't know how to fix that. That's a nightmare. I don't know what to do to get the recognition that I want. And it feels very kind of intangible to them and out of their control. But the reality is, is you can choose how you want people to perceive you. You can choose to share the unique value that you have to create that positioning in the minds of the people around you. And I think the reality is, is whether you're working on a board or whether it's, you know, a work situation, you know, you can uh, be thinking all the time about, do people perceive me the way that I want them to perceive me? Do people feel the way that I want them to feel around me? Do I build trust with people? Do I make people feel safe, for example? Or do I fill them with uncertainty? You know, mm-hmm. these, are, these are questions that are kind of uh, 
intangible things that people don't think about too often. And the thing that I love about branding is it's really an organic process. Like it changes. Mm-hmm. You learn more about yourself. You morph into this brand that you want to create, this perception that you want to create. And when you master that kind of level one, if you like, of your brand, that's when you can go, okay, how else do I want people to perceive me? How else do I want to add value to them? How else do I want to position myself? How else can I reinforce that message? So you're constantly kind of working on it, you know, asking yourself the questions, building your self-awareness about how you're coming across to people and making sure that there's that connection between how you're intending to be seen and how you are actually seen by the people around you. Mm. So as you were talking, I had the thought, even if you don't think you have a personal brand, you have a personal brand. You have a personal brand. Absolutely. And, And I think the reality is, is people create your brand for you. Unless you're purposeful about creating it yourself, Mm -hmm. people jump to their own conclusions about you. And, you know, we do it all the time. We just create one word or two word snap kind of decisions about people as to who they are. And it excludes heaps about them. Right. But you might just say, oh, that person's only operational. I hear that a lot. (laughs) People come to me and they'll say, Rebecca, I'm perceived as this person who's operational. It means I can't move up the ladder. It means I can't you know, be seen as a strategic kind of thinker those labels can be very damaging. And although it's not fair and it feels uncomfortable for you, it's the reality potentially of these key decision makers around you. So we have to question and challenge and ask, okay, how are the people perceiving me around me who can actually help me with my career? And is that consistent with what I want them to feel and see? So is that just a matter of asking them? Well, it can be. I mean, you can get feedback in, you know, your performance reviews, for example, and that can be quite eye-opening sometimes, right? Um, but I think often we know intuitively how we're coming across to people. I think, you know, you can get that feedback, you can ask for it. Sometimes people will be honest with you, right? And some people, sometimes people will be a bit more hesitant to be completely honest. Um, but I think in our heart, we know whether or not somebody is engaging fully with us whether somebody is genuinely seeing our value or not. And I think when we're feeling that mismatch, that's when we have to ask the question, okay, how is this person perceiving me? Like, what is the evidence that they have? What are they basing that perception on? And it can be brutal, you know, to actually go through those kinds of challenges because you can say, actually, I get why they're seeing me that way. I totally understand it. And it's in my power to change my behavior, right? To affect how they're seeing me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I think we've all had that uncomfortable oh, moment of absolutely. self-realization. Absolutely. Like, oh no, it's on yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, certainly a powerful motivator though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so once people get an idea of um, either the personal brand that they have, and it just turns out to be the one they want, or they sort of put their finger on and describe what sort of personal brand uh, they want to have. Yes. How how do people start sort of um, matching the actions with the intention? Yes. That makes sense. Great question. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the processes that we work with our clients on is what we call the personal branding architecture. And essentially going deep into understanding your purpose, your why, you know, your mission, what you're really, really excited about, what you're passionate about, what you value deeply. And then it breaks out into, you know, how do you interconnect with different people and how do you engage with people? How do they feel and interact back to you? 
And it goes out into these kind of behaviors because the behaviors are on the outside of our architecture. It's a wheel essentially, because the behaviors are what people actually see. Yes. So all that other stuff is under the surface and it's all wonderful and it means a great deal to you. But the reality is, is to actually create that authenticity, if you like, and to create the brand that you want people to see is through the behavior. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at core behaviors that are needed to help you. You know, So for some people, for example, it might be about just being more vocal. It might be about assuming your authority. That's a really common one that we come across. You know, a lot of people sort of feel like they need to ask for permission to respond, to react, to share an opinion, for example. So we have to kind of look at behaviors that are going to be conducive to helping you achieve your career ambitions. Um, So if it is about just sort of assuming that you've already got everything you need, what does that look like? You know, and for everybody, that's totally different. Um, You know, so we look at behavior always. That's the way to get the shifts and to create that new perception. Yeah, that's really hard, Rebecca. <laughs> Behaviour change is hard. So how how do you encourage people to go about behaviour change? Okay, that's a good question. So the reality is your behaviours are very much interconnected to your beliefs and your thoughts, okay? So say, for example, you don't want to do something. You'll have a thought that will come up first and foremost, and it will say, don't do that because you'll you know make yourself look like an idiot. So then your behavior would be matching with that and it would, you know, stop you from doing something. So when we're looking at behavioral change, what we actually do in coaching is we go back to the very beginning of that process. It's a cycle where we look at what is my belief about that behavior first? Mm -hmm. Am I comfortable with performing that behavior? More often than not, we're not comfortable with that, right? There's some hesitancy. There's an imposter syndrome. There's some fear, around how you're going to be perceived, how you're going to, how people will respond to you. And, you know, even around positioning, people can find it very difficult. You know, you might say, this is the positioning I want. This is how I want people to see me. But I am scared to death of delivering against that, right? This is absolutely what I want, but this just feels way too overwhelming. So we have to peel back. And I think, you know, I've been coaching now for over 13 years and 99% of the time, when you're looking at any career strategy, whether it's around getting promoted or asking for a pay rise or whether it's about building credibility and visibility, it comes back to how we see ourselves and am I comfortable with doing that behavior? And often there's a hesitancy, right? There's some sort of fear um, or concern about how you're going to come across. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? You know, there's 101 different beliefs that come up. But I think that's where you start getting the behavioral shifts is when you start working on yourself more deeply and you start asking yourself, can I do this? Yes, I can. I'm worthy of this opportunity. I'm ready for this opportunity. I've got everything I already need. And we start swapping the kind of negative thinking with really helpful, positive um, psychology. Mm. And then I feel like when you start to act in accordance with that, that in itself and the positive responses you get builds that muscle and it's like the more you do something the more you can do it and then the easier it becomes yeah massively so and the thing is is like working on belief systems and belief patterns it sounds complicated it's not you know it's a process that we go through we've done it a bazillion times you know and it it works and you know it's just about getting you through that first hurdle where you're kind of feeling like you can't like you say once you start doing behaviors that connect to the new belief 
and reinforces the belief and you get some positive feedback, it becomes so much easier to then repeat the behavior. And it's like a snowball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like somebody gives you a pat on the back and you kind of feel good about yourself. You're like, oh, I like that feeling. That felt good. Nice dopamine hit. And then you can do it again and again. So yeah, I think behavioral shifts aren't actually that challenging, that difficult to do. You've just got to have the commitment to go through the process. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm interested in how someone decides on what what positioning or what unique value proposition should I take on? And I kind of feel this pull between what do I want to show and demonstrate based on all the things you talked about, the ambitions, the values, things like that, versus what is my audience? And and that audience can change whether it's your bosses because you're going for a promotion or a different organization because you want a career change. Um, I always think about it when I work with my clients about different boards that they're positioning for. How do you kind of decide who am I (laughs) or who do I want to be? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And to be honest, I think, like I say, it's like an organic process. I don't think there's one final product one final way but like you know we were talking about before we were talking about becoming really good at something and sticking the course and sort of staying with something I think when you have things that you do well you know you thrive when you are working to your strengths when you're doing things that ignite you when you're adding value that makes you happy when you're solving problems you know that kind of make you happy too I think that's you know you've got to learn some things around where you're feeling the strongest yeah, I think that can come from your knowledge. It can come from your experience. It can come from your life's experience as well as your working experience. And I think look at where you're strongest and decide on creating value where you know you can do it like effortlessly. Mm-hmm. It kind of happens organically for you. You don't have to think too deeply about doing it. And I think that's where you kind of find the sweet spot for you. Um, the analogy I often share with my clients is, you know, I have a wall in my house And I could paint it because I can paint a wall. But will I do a great job of it? Probably not. Maybe I should hire somebody who loves painting, who does painting every day, you know, and they'll do a better job of it. They'll do it faster, et cetera. So just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Mm. And I think, you know, it's about finding the skills, the conversations, the problems that you like solving. It often comes around problems and adding value to people by solving problems, I find. Yeah. Um, where you feel like you're, you know, yes, I've nailed it. I've had a great day. You know, I've done something that I've really valued um, and therefore, you know, it's added value to other people. I think that's the space where you should play and mm. see what happens and it can change and it does change. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Certainly a powerful indicator. That's for sure. Yes, exactly. Um, so I'm also intrigued as to how, positioning and branding works with reputation and credibility so how how are they connected in your mind yeah I I think how I look at that is it's a sort of a three-pronged approach if you like I think credibility and reputation is about consistency and frequency it's about showing up with a consistent message with those consistent behaviors and doing it regularly So like, if you think about advertising, for example, it's like, if you see an ad once, you forget about it. 
But if you see an ad a few times, you begin to connect more with the message. You might have missed it the first time. But, you know, the second or third time, you might see a different thing in that message. You might feel more emotionally connected to that brand, for example. Mm-hmm. And equally, which is kind of interesting, sometimes you see media buying that's really bad and you see the same ad 50 times in the same movie or something, you know, watching Netflix or whatever you're doing. Uh-huh. And it oversaturates the message and you're too much and you're too in everyone's face and it's nobody wants to know you anymore. So you've got to kind of find that balance with consistency and frequency, I think, where you're explaining what you do, you're sharing what you do, you're coming you know, in people's lives and space, but you're doing it in a way that's respectful and you're not overdo- overdoing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know, it kind of really comes down to three things. I find a lot of people are very, very quiet about sharing their value and are hoping that just by being in the room, people get their value through some osmosis or something. And they understand, oh, yeah, this person's incredible. They've got a PhD and they've got, you know, all this year's experience and they've got ideas in these different areas. Unless you actually share these thoughts and perceptions and opinions, nobody has a clue. And we assume all day long that because we're working hard and because you're adding value here, everybody knows about it, but they don't, Mm. you know. So for credibility and visibility and all these sort of reputational sort of measures, I think The first thing is really about having a clear sense of why. So say, for example, you're involved in a board and you want to get involved in a board. You know, you should read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why First, because why really is about understanding why do I want to be involved with this board? Mm -hmm. What is it about this board versus all the other boards that really resonates with me? What values do they have that are shared with me? Like, what is it that they're doing? What problems are they solving again that really resonates with me? I want to be involved in that. You know, that why is a really massive piece because it's the emotive piece. Hmm. All the value we add is more rational, right? It's my experience. It's my expertise. It's my whatever. You know, my thoughts on this is more technical. So I think start with the why. Share the value, solve the problems, you know, consistently, frequently, all those sorts of things. But then the third piece is about sharing and talking about why that why matters to you so much and the value that you're adding. Let people know that you're doing these things, you know? Like I have clients who say to me, I've not been promoted for two years or I've not had a pay rise for two years. And my first question is always, have you asked for it? Yeah. Have you made it clear that's what you're, you know, working towards? Mm. Often the answer is no. So if you're not sort of sharing and telling people, um, you know, in a respectful way, obviously, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm working towards. How can I be better? How can I improve? How can I, if you're not having those conversations and saying, look, I've hit these targets. What are my next targets? Let's talk about that next. You know, if we're not doing that, then we're sort of passive, just passengers on our kind of career path. We're not actually driving anything. Yeah. Hoping that everyone notices Yes. As they go past. Look at us. Yes. Hey, look what I'm I'm angry, you know, being angry at the world for not noticing you. But actually the onus is always on you to make that clear and to connect the two dots together, which is I'm working really hard because I yeah. want this outcome. This is what I'm driving towards. Yeah. Paint the picture you want them to see. Don't leave it up to them to connect the dots because it's too hard and they won't do it. That's it. And it's all perception. It's all connected. These things are all interconnected so that people are very, very clear about what you're all about. Yes. So you've talked about like showing and demonstrating um, 
what you have. And so, so what does that look like? When I think personal brand, of course, I think, what does my LinkedIn profile look like? My headshots, what I wear when I'm in public uh, to present or meet people. What does my business card look like? What does my website look like? Is that kind of like what personal brand is or does it transcend that? I think it transcends that, but it is all those things as well, because like I say, if it, the perception is created from the sum of these parts, right? So if you look at your email signature as the ba- most basic form, right? What does that look like? What, what does that convey about you? Is that connecting to that mission, that positioning that you created in our personal branding architecture from the very outset? You know, you have to go back to the core, you know, to, to make sure everything's on brand. So yeah, so email signatures, absolutely your LinkedIn profile. And there are so many cool things that you can do on LinkedIn profile now. Um, and in terms of the content that you're sharing and how you share content that can build your brand. Um, but I think the fundamental thing for me, sort of in, from an in-person perspective, is it's always about behaviors and how you're connecting with people and engaging with people and building trust. That for me is about the brand itself and how you're actually doing that on a day-to-day basis and the smallest of behaviors can have the most enormous impact yes um you know so I think you know words are great words can inspire people but if you want to you know move people engage people build trust it has to come from your behavior yeah yeah on words because you've prompted my thinking on this because I want to talk about resumes yes everyone loves a resume um (laughs) I find that many people, especially ones that come to me as you would probably have as well, um, they want an updated resume. They come to me, want a board resume. I find that a lot of people try and jam their entire professional story into their resume. Yes. um, And end up with just pages and pages of blocks of text that include every single thing that they've ever done because I have to prove my credibility right yeah how do you recommend that people sort of get rid of the fluff and focus on the stuff that matters okay how does so do that? the thing is with CVs that like like you I've seen so many CVs in the years right and you get such a different sort of array of challenges that come up with them and it's the same on LinkedIn profiles because a LinkedIn profile is basically an online resume right so you get either the CVs like that that are just so content heavy and just so onerous to read yes. um, without making a point as well often um, you can have that scenario or in my experience you can also have the CVs that are light on information and giving me nothing as well from that perspective it's you know one or the other extreme and I think the fundamental thing that most people lack in their CVs is essentially an executive summary mm-hmm. an executive summary should come straight after your contact details and it should be a positioning statement which is branding it should be this is the reason why I am the right candidate for the job because this is my core experience this is where I'm looking for next. This is, you know, where I am. And this is the value proposition. This is where I'm going to add value to the organization. I can see that I can change things here. I can add value here. I can solve these problems there. 
it's a four or five bullet point paragraph right at the top of your CV. And if you stay true to that positioning throughout the whole CV, everything should marry back to that exec summary. Everything should say, you know, that supports my exec summary. And if it doesn't, don't include it. You know, it's just, there's no use in saying you've had all this experience if it doesn't connect back to the exec summary. Just be light on the um, experiences that you had that are not relevant to the exec summary and it will trim your CV. And if you've got a light CV, it will help you really pull out that positioning and that value proposition much more clearly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's a skill that I encourage everyone to develop. <laughs> Is working on <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, you know, if you're whatever you're doing, whether you're interacting online and, you know, people go through people's profiles on LinkedIn, you know, vociferously, they kind of really want to understand what you're all about. And there's a real art to doing that, to kind of building a profile that sells you, that positions you in a in a kind of an effective way, but also brings out that credibility and track record that you've got. A CV, you've got a bit more sort of um, bandwidth because you can have a slightly longer profile, essentially, but you still have to stay true to the positioning. It's always about the positioning. Mm, absolutely. Um, but so many people struggle with that or or their positioning is so scattered or broad and they try and be everything to everyone. Yes. They end up being nothing to no one. Absolutely. And it comes back to coming, you know, talking about where am I strong, where am I really excited to add value? Where do I want to spend my time most? That's yeah. really the energy that you want to be tapping into to understand new positioning. Yeah. Like I said, we can do all these things. I can paint all the walls in my house, but it would be awful. <laughs> yes. And I'd be really slow at it. So it's yeah. not a strength of mine. So look at where you're strong and where you're most energized. Yeah, and where you want to go. You make a great point. Yeah. I often say to people, there's no point positioning you for a job you don't want. No. Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, 100%. Why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) Absolutely. So I think it's a good segue. Like when should someone engage a professional like yourself in this process? Yeah. Um, Well, you know, in my experience, I, you know, you see different things happen with different people. Everyone's so different. So I think a lot of people need to be in an inordinate amount of pain before they actually seek out any help on anything, you know, so they might be, you know, they might have been overlooked for promotion for four years. Um, You know, they might not have had pay rise for four years. They might just feel completely invisible, completely overlooked. And the pain is just so much that they can't do it by themselves anymore. So they look for kind of external intervention, if you like. So I think that's a really common signal, if you like. I think a second one is when your confidence is low when you're sort of just feeling down on yourself and you're really struggling to see your value and identify and talk about your value. Um, you know, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. That kind of thing is another signal that you probably need some help. And then other people, I suppose, are more, more proactive in how they're looking at their career and they're saying, okay, this is where I am. I really want to get there, but I have no idea how to bridge that gap. Do I even have the credible experience to do that? Do I have the skills to do that? Mm. Would I be seen credibly, you know, in that space? Mm. Um, And then another one that I see a lot is when people sort of take on a new leadership position and they're thinking, okay, I really want this to work. I've got the six to 12 month period where I really need to make a good impact. How do I create this positioning, this perception that I'm all over it? You know, how can I build my team? How can I get results? 
I think those are the kinds of stages, if you like, that are the most common um, in terms of, you know, I need to work on my career. I need to think about career strategy next and be a bit more proactive about creating outcomes rather than just hoping my career will just happen for me, um, which is a lot of people's space, right? We're not taught these skills ever at school, you know, for example. So how would you know? You know, you wouldn't know. Um, and I think from a personal branding perspective, um, you know, it's really about, I just need people to know who I am. I need to build this credibility, this visibility. I'm tired of feeling invisible. You know, these are the kinds of um, phrases, I suppose, that people will say to me when I first meet with them. Mm, absolutely. And you have a resource, is that right, that people can access for free to help them get sure. started on this process? Sure. Well, I have a few different things that you're very welcome to access. I have my own podcast, which is called Her, Her Ambitious Career, um, which is on all the good directories that you can find. Um, there's also a fabulous resource that I have, which is called The Seven Habits of Female Execs Who Get Promoted, which is a really practical, uh, I do tend to work just with women, but um, it's a practical advice-driven strategy-laden resource. So if you're looking to get promoted and you're just struggling and you're feeling unrecognized, it's the perfect thing for you. So to get that, you can just go to rebeccasfreegift.com and you'll find it there. You can also go to my website and there's a resource section there. So it's illuminategrowth.com.au forward slash resources. And there's a whole heap of different things in there too. Awesome. We'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. But if people want to connect directly, do they go to the same places or how else would you like them to reach If you out? want to connect directly with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Rebecca Allen, Career Coach. Um, I can also give you a link to go straight into my diary if you want to have a chat, a 15-minute conversation. You can do that too. I can give Lisa all of these links. And I do want to note that you are Australian-based, even though you are from our motherland. You are based <laughs> in Australia, that's right. Yeah, I'm based in Australia. I mean, I have clients everywhere, like literally everywhere. So it really doesn't make any difference where you are, so long as our diaries can marry up, then it's fine. <laughs> Perfect. Such is the world we live in. I love it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Awesome. So is there one last thing that you would um, give us sort of your ultimate piece of advice to the listeners today? Sure. Um, I think the fundamental thing that I often will say is that you already have everything that you need to be successful. You really do. And I think we're constantly looking for you know, more education or more degrees or more certificates or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to be, you know, who you want to be. The truth is you can be whoever you want to be right now today. And you just have to decide this is what it's going to be. This is how it's going to look like. And like I say, it's an organic process. Like none of us is finished. You know, we're all a work in progress, but you have to start somewhere and you have to be decisive at some point about how you want to come across and how you want to be perceived. So just start today and see what happens. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Rebecca. It's great to have you. Thank you, Lisa, so much. Thank you for tuning into this conversation with Rebecca Allen. You can find the links to Rebecca and all of the resources she is generously sharing with you in the show notes of this episode. Aligning our personal brand desires with our career and board goals is about being the best, most authentic version of yourself. Rebecca has shown us that it takes deep consideration and intention and turning those into actions and behaviours 
to get us to where we want to go. It's not about becoming or being a different person, rather being the best, clearest version of yourself, both inside and outside, for what you're trying to achieve. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts Podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom.